if you would, and she can uh, let you know as far as time and everything else. But again, we'd love to have you join us and join our family for Thanksgiving if you are interested on Thanksgiving Day. So keep that in mind if you would. Again, Genesis chapter 33 is where we're looking. If you have a Bible and you can read with us here. Together this morning we'll begin in verse number one. It says these words, And Jacob lifted up his eyes, and he looked. And behold, Esau was coming, and four hundred men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel, the two female servants. And he put the servants with their children in front, the Leah, with her children, and Rachel and Joseph, last of all. And he went on before them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. And Esau saw that, or when Esau lifted up his eyes and he saw the women and children, he said, Who are these with you? And Jacob said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. The servants drew near, they and their children, and bowed down. Leah, likewise, and her children drew near and bowed down. At last, Joseph and Rachel drew near, and they bowed down. Esau said, what do you mean by all this company that I met? Jacob answered, to find favor in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Jacob said, no, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then accept my present from my hand. I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God, and you have accepted me. Please accept my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me. Because I have enough. And Esau said, let us journey on our way and I will go ahead of you. Jacob said to him, my Lord knows that the children are frail. That the nursing flocks and herd are care to me if they are driven hard for one day All the flocks will die. Let my Lord pass on ahead of his servant, and I will lead on slowly at the pace of the livestock that are ahead of me, the pace of the children, until I come to my Lord and see her. So Esau said, let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. But he said, what need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my Lord. So Esau returned that day on his way to see her. But Jacob journeyed to Sukkoth and built himself a house, made booze for his livestock. Therefore, the name of the place is called Sukkoth. Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, and on his way from Padan Aram, and he camped before the city. From the sons of Amor, Shechem's father, he bought a hundred pieces of silver, the piece of land on which he had pitched his tent. And there he erected an altar and called it El Elohe Israel. And this is the word of the Lord this morning. You know, when God does a work in our lives, when he begins to 
to work on us and work in us. He does not just do so, so that we would be reconciled and brought together and go and be with the Lord forever. Although that is a part of it, coming to faith in Christ is not something that we just check a box and say, no, I'm good now and I know when I die I'll go to heaven it's all good. Now God begins the work in our lives so that we can live as children of God and as people of God here on this earth. His work of reconciliation is not just so we can be reconciled to Him, which is first and foremost and ultimate, but also so that we can be reconciled to each other. Reconciliation is defined as the restoration of friendly relationships and of peace where there had been before hostility and alienation. Ordinarily, it includes the removal of the offense which caused the disruption of peace and harmony. This is especially so in the relation of God with humanity when Christ removed the intimate enmity, sorry, existing between God and man through His vicarious sacrifice. This is what reconciliation is. It is the re- restoration of friendly relationships and peace. The Holman Treasury of Key Bible Words defines reconciliation as this. He says, when two parties are at war with each other and then decide to make up their differences, that is called reconciliation. Strange husbands and wives are asked to reconcile as are warring countries. The Greek word katalogy basically means to change or exchange. And used in relationships between people, the term implies a change in attitude on the part of both individuals. Change from enmity to friendship. And used to describe the relationship existing between God and a person, the term then implies the change of attitude on the part of both a person and God. The need to change the sinful ways of a human being is obvious. Some argue that no change is needed on the part of God. However, inherent in the doctrine of justification is the changed attitude of God toward the sinner. God declares a person was formerly an enemy to be righteous before him. As we talked about and as we've seen through the life of Jacob, Jacob is on his way back to Canaan. He spent over 20 years in the land of his father-in-law, Padan Aram. Now the time has come to go back home. Go back home to Isaac and Rebekah, his mother and father. Go back home and fulfill God's purposes and plans and and making a nation out of his life. But also to go back home to his twin brother Esau. 
As we mentioned last week, Jacob is filled with fear and dread because he knows that Esau is waiting for him. Last time he saw Esau, Esau was filled with fury and rage and anger and looked at him and basically told him, if I ever see you again, I will kill you. Without the advantages of Facebook or iMessages or whatever else, Jacob has no idea but that that promise is still hanging over his head. And so he has devised this great plan. I'm going to overwhelm Esau with kindness. I'm going to send flock after flock and herd after herd of animals. And all of these animals and servants are going to assuage Esau's anger. And now, now that time has come. Of course, as we saw at the end of last week in chapter 32, sandwiched in between Jacob's plot. And the actual meeting was this incident where Jacob wrestles with God. The time where Jacob begins to realize that he must have God's help. Jacob begins to find out that he is limited and unable to do on his own what he wants to and that God must intervene on his behalf. And you're here today and thinking about your life and you're looking at it and you know that there is a relationship that you would like to see reconciliation take place in. I want you to know this morning that before there is reconciliation between human and human, between man and man, between person in person, there must ultimately and first and foremost be reconciliation between man and God. And because Jacob reconciles with God and wrestles with God and, and God touches him and, and changes his life as evidenced in this lamp, Jacob is now able to reconcile with his brother Esau. And so we get into this text this morning and we notice first of all that Jacob sees Esau. He sees Esau coming. Jacob has started out, he's told, Laban, I'm leaving, I'm going back home. And miles have passed before, behind him. He sent out advanced team and the advanced team said, oh yeah, we saw your brother. He's coming to meet you, and he's coming fast and furiously. Jacob continues to plot on and finally realizes that that day has come. He looks up and he sees the cloud dust in the distance, and he knows that that must be Esau. Verse 1 again, Jacob lifted up his eyes and he looked, and, and behold, Esau was coming and 400 men with him. So what does he do? He takes his children, he divides them among their mothers. He separates them out and he puts them in separate categories. I mentioned last week that this idea of 400 men is, is the idea of a military brigade. Okay, this is, a, this is a, a band of soldiers, if you would, a regiment coming. He's coming with a military force and, 
And let's just be honest, you don't gather a military troop to throw a welcome home party. I mean, maybe your kids been in college and they've come back home and you never really stood there with guns and whatever. I mean, unless it's your daughter and she's coming home with a boyfriend that she wants to marry. And maybe you do that. But otherwise, you, you don't do that, right? You throw, throw a party together. Unless they come home with dirty laundry and then you might be there with guns. I don't know. <laughs> Esau is coming with this military force. And what does Jacob do? He divides these children. Verse 2, he puts the servants with their children in front, Leah with her children, and Rachel and Joseph, last of all, puts them in order of priority. We know that Rachel had this special relationship. This is one that, that, that Jacob loved. Most of all, Joseph is his, is his treasured child, as we will see in the spring when we pick up and, and try to finish through this book. And we look at the trials of Joseph, but, but he puts them in these separate groups, and they began to march forward. But verse 3 is what's important. Verse 3, we read that Jacob went on before them. Jacob himself goes on before his family, bowing himself to the ground until he meets his brother. What is Jacob doing here? He's, he's taking his place. He's taking his place as the leader of his family but he's also taking the place, realizing that he is the one who has made this mess, deceiving his brother. And he is the one who needs to make things right. And you see, when you talk about reconciliation, this is, a, is such a vital key here. Jacob is accepting responsibility for what is going on and what has happened between him and Esau. It is Jacob who realizes he has messed up. And this is such a difference between what we saw in chapter 32 because in chapter 32, Jacob was willing to send others in front. And he was thinking, well, I'll just, I'll just be at the back of the line. That way if Esau starts destroying everyone, maybe I've got a chance to get away. This time he doesn't do that. He is in front of his family knowing that he has to take ownership and responsibility for the mess that is there. So many want reconciliation, but they don't want to take responsibility for their actions. People want to say, well, it's, it's this is the reason, and if so-and-so wasn't like this, then we could really, and they don't never look at themselves and say, you know what, maybe I am to blame. Maybe I need to look at myself. So the question is, are you taking responsibility for your life, for your involvement in relationships that are fractured and severed? Jacob does this by not only going on in front of his family, but, but he bows himself to the ground in front of Esau. 
is essentially placing himself in a subservient position. And again, think about how different that is because Jacob, from the very first day of his life, was trying to get ahead of his brother. That's why when Esau was being born and Rebekah has given birth to Esau, well, well, that happens. Jacob's holding on to the hill. Every once in a while you see the story in the newspaper where twins are born, you know, on separate days and and every once in a great while on separate years because you have one son or one child being born on the 31st late at night and the other one coming early on January 1st of the next morning and it's usually a big deal in the hospitals. There was none of that with Jacob and Esau. He was trying to get in front of Esau. His whole life, he has been doing this even to where he deceives his brother and takes his brother's blessing. And now Jacob is bowing himself down in a subservient position. His acknowledging his guilt, his complicity, a fractured and severed relationship that is there. So Jacob sees these all come in and Secondly, we see, see where Esau and Jacob are reconciled. We see where they are reconciled. He sent drove after drove, flock after flock. And Esau is looking up in the distance with his band of soldiers. Here's a man with a hundred cattle. Where are you from, stranger? Well, I, are you Esau? I've come from your brother Jacob. Here's a hundred cattle for you. Okay, what exactly is going on here? Here comes the next guy. I've got a hundred camel. I've got a hundred sheep. I don't know what, what he brought or how many or whatever. But here they are and finally, finally there's no more animals. There's no more gifts. There's no more to bring. It's just Jacob and Esau. Verse 4, Esau ran to him. He sees Jacob and he embraces him. He falls on his neck and he kisses him. They weep together. Jacob has expected a sword. Expected at least a slap on the face or something. Instead, Esau grabs him and hugs him and sheds tears of joy, tears of, of happiness at the reunion that is taking place. Verse 5 tells us, when Esau lifted up his eyes and he saw the women and children, he said, who are these with you? And Jacob said, the children whom God has, has graciously given your servant. Verses 6 and 7 goes on and tells us how the wives and children come and present themselves to Esau. He's, he's seeing the blessings of God upon Jacob's life. And it seems like such a great, wonderful family reunion, doesn't it? Exchange all their pleasantries. The kids' cheeks are all pinched and shoot off to go play. Esau looks at Jacob in verse 8. He says, what do you mean? What do you mean by all this company that I met? And Jacob answered, I'm doing this to find favor in the sight of my Lord. 
I'm doing this because I want you to be reconciled with me. I want you to, to, to accept me and to love me. I want once again to, to have friendly relationships with you and, and peace and love where there was once hostility. Verse 9, Esau says, I have enough, my brother. I have enough. Keep what you have for yourself. I mean, Esau holds all the cards here. He knows. He has all the power. Jacob has offended him greatly. I mean, why would you not clean Jacob's clock and, and take at least some of the stuff that he's offering you? Something has changed in Esau's life as well, doesn't he? We don't know what it is. We know, of course, in Scripture, Scripture makes it clear that Jacob is the one that God has favored. Romans 9 tells us about God's saving purposes. And it says this, as it is written, Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated. God is speaking of the fact that he is sovereign in his salvation and in his elective purposes. And, and he uses, Paul uses the illustration of Jacob and Esau to, to point out that God has purposes and plans. Even in the lives of Jacob and Esau. But whatever has happened, whatever has happened, at least in this situation, Jacob finds himself Reconciling with his brothers out of all, through all those years, dread and fear. All of those years wondering, a band of men would pass by his place there with his father-in-law if maybe, maybe that wasn't his brother coming. Jacob in verse 10 pleads with Esau to accept this gift. Please, if I have found favor in your sight, then accept my present from my hand, for I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God. You have accepted me. Please accept my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me, and I have enough. Esau was surprised by the animals his brother had sinned, but Jacob continued to press Esau to accept them. Jacob's statement that seeing the face of his brother Esau is like seeing the face of God shows that he knows his deliverance was from harm is the work of God. Secured at Peniel when he saw God face to face. Esau's favorable action is a result of God's gracious work. And this is what I was trying to say last week. We, we want so much to fix things on our own and we don't understand that unless God is involved, unless the Holy Spirit is working on someone's heart and life, we can't do it. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't confront someone or you don't help someone to realize the error of their ways, but we know ultimately that God must do the work and God had done the work in Jacob's life last chapter as he wrestled with the Lord. Somehow God is doing the work in Esau's life 
as well. This truly is an amazing event. The anger and rage that Esau felt, the sinfulness of Jacob's heart that was there all those many years ago. These two men find a place where they bury their past. New day has come upon them. Why? Because their willingness, willingness to be reconciled to each other. And as we finish this chapter, we still see third point this morning, which is this: Jacob still has, still has some inner demons to face in his own life. Take that word. Inner demons, if you will, with a grain of salt. What I'm talking about here is Jacob is still wrestling with his old nature. The one that the Apostle Paul speaks of in Romans 7 when he tries, when he speaks about how he tries to do good and he wants to do good, but he winds up doing evil and he wants to stop doing evil and he can't just quite get over it. Look at verse 12, Esau said, let us journey on our way and I'll go ahead of you. But Jacob said to him, my Lord knows that the children are frail and the nursing flocks and herds are care to me. If they are driven hard for one day, all the flocks will die. And my Lord, pass on ahead of his servants. I'll lead on slowly. The pace of the livestock that are ahead of me and at the pace of the children until I come to my Lord and Esau. So Esau will say, well, well, at least let me leave you with some of the people who are with me. Jacob said, what need is there? Let me find favor. Let me find favor in the sight of my Lord. And look at verse 16 here. Esau returned that way, that day on his way to Seir. But Jacob journeyed to Sukkoth. Again, notice what he says there in verse 14. I'll go, I'll go my own pace and I will meet you. And here in verse 16, he's 17, he's journeying not to Seir, but to Sukkoth. Verse 18, he comes to the, safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, and he camped before the city. From the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, he bought for a hundred pieces of money the, play, the piece of land. You see what's going on there, Jacob? Jacob is telling Esau, yeah, I'll be there. It just takes me a little bit longer. I got young kids. I got flocks and herds. I can only go so far in a day. Instead of going with Esau, instead of catching up with Esau, he winds up going in an opposite direction. He winds up journeying a different way. And you can, you can see how, how the deceitful nature of Jacob is still, still evident in his life. Unfortunately, so many of us as Christians, we're so conditioned and accustomed to this idea that an encounter with God is a one and done experience. We go down and we walk forward at a youth camp or at a Billy Graham rally or a Franklin Graham crusade or 
raise our hands on a Sunday morning at church. Nah, I'm good. I've done it. I've checked that box. I'm good to go. You see, that is not the end of the destination. It's only the beginning, one that we must go on each and every day of our lives. And we have to constantly be at that place where we are laying down our old man, our fleshly nature. We are crucifying these sinful tendencies that are in our heart and we're trying our best to love and live for God each and every day. So many of us are hanging on to something we did as a child. Oh, I prayed a prayer. How come, how come, how come things are falling apart in my life? Because you, you did not get up this morning and take the time to lay down and crucify that old fleshly nature. Jacob's still battling these demons of deceitfulness, of trickery, of trying to say one thing to his brother and doing the other. And you as a Christian, unless you realize, you know what? I need God to work on my life today. I need God to deal with my life today. It's amazing. We've been married 24 years and and for some reason we still don't have it all figured out with each other. And probably this is the reason why, isn't it? Because I still have things in my life that I need to resolve. And if you're here and you've been married over 50 years, God bless you, but you're going to say the exact same thing. You're going to say it ain't going to get any easier. Some reason we get there and we think, well, you know, we, we had one fight when we were first married and we got it all figured out. Now I can't figure out why... We pray and we give our lives to God and we think I'm good. Jacob had this encounter with God, but here's a new chance. What, what, was Esau really going to bring him back home and kill him? We don't know. Wouldn't it have been better for Jacob to be honest with him and not try to deceive him once again? But again, what we see in this chapter is the fact the fact that Jacob and Esau at long last have been reconciled to each other we have to remember the words of the apostle Paul and read his words in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 therefore verse 17 if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation the old has passed away Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be 
reconciled to God. The day I gave my life to Christ, I became new. The old me, even though it pops up its head every once in a while, is gone. Now I stand before Christ reconciled. And now God has given me a ministry to tell you today as an ambassador of Jesus Christ that you too can be reconciled with God. By the way, just because you never get up here on Sunday morning and preach does not mean that you don't have that same ministry. You are his ambassador. You need to tell the world around you that God wants to be reconciled to you. You need to ask them, appeal to them, and plead to them, please be reconciled with God. So as we finish, I have three questions to ask you this morning. Have you... Have you experienced reconciliation with God? You have to answer that question. Have you got to the place where you have fallen on your knees and said, Lord Jesus Christ, be merciful to me, a sinner? I'm not asking you if you've been raised in church all your life or if you teach Sunday school, if you serve as a deacon. I am asking you, have you been reconciled to God? If you can't answer that question, now is that time. I have been sent from heaven to tell you this morning as an ambassador of Jesus Christ that you can be reconciled. You can know Christ as your Savior. Your sins can be gone. I don't care how bad they are. You can have that reconciliation. I'm going to ask you another question this sitting here and you know that there's fractured relationship in your life, let me ask you something. Have you accepted responsibility for your role in the fractured relationship? If you only knew my husband, what a dirty, rotten scoundrel he is. Well, maybe he is ask you this question, have you accepted responsibility? You see, there are so many who sit there. They want to say, if only, and maybe, and I wish, and, you know, somebody needs, they would just be different. And they never, never look at themselves and say, maybe I am the reason there is a problem. And maybe you're not entire part. Maybe your role is very small, but, but until you are willing to look at your life and say, what have I done wrong? And will you forgive me for what I have done wrong to you? The relationship will never, ever be restored. Jacob would have never reconciled with Esau if he had not wrestled with God and found himself on his knees before Esau, said, I am your servant. 
please accept as atonement for my wrong the gifts that I am offering you. I've heard a lot of post-mortem analysis on midterm elections from both sides of the political aisle. You know what we don't see with a lot of politicians? Somebody look at himself and say, you know, maybe I should have been better. Maybe I should have done wrong. Maybe I could, well, you know, it's the president's fault. He's such a drag and, you know, it's, 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 it's the system and everything else. And maybe, maybe, maybe what you guys should do is just look at yourself and say, maybe I should look at my own life. I mean, we see it. I hear sports people all the time. Their team stinks. And we had a quarterback in Kansas City one time, got run out of town because he stood there and said, I can't throw the ball and catch the ball at the same time. Really? Dummy? Long thing to say. He got run out of town. Probably got a big fat paycheck, though, so I don't feel too bad for him. Until you're willing to look at your life and say, what am I? What am I doing? And that leads me to my last question. Are you, are, you, are you doing your part? Are you doing your part to fight the destructive tendencies in your life that have severed and fractured this relationship? Are you doing your part to work on them? I mean, Jacob, Jacob still has this tendency to be deceitful and you want to grab him and say, dude, what are you doing? Don't blow this second chance you have. So many of us, what do we do? We go to our spouse and we say, well, I'm sorry I got mad and I yelled at you. And we never say, what, what, what's causing this anger? What's causing me to lash out? And how can I fight this sinful tendency in my life? And then we wonder why we're stuck and we never get anywhere because we're never addressing it. If we're not sitting there blaming our, our boss at work, then, then, then we're never looking at our life. I don't understand why I can't get the promotion. I mean, I'm sorry I show up to work late every day. Well, maybe, maybe we can address that issue. Show up on time. Now, you don't understand what it's like driving on Route 22. Well, yes, I do, because I've been there before. It doesn't matter. Change what needs to change in your life. Address these sinful tendencies. Fall on your knees and get alone with God and wrestle with Him and say, Lord, I'm not going to stop until until I can talk to my brother without being anger and bitter at him. I'm not going to stop until you bless me. can't promise you that if you take these steps, Everything in your life will turn out hunky-dory. There will always be struggles. There will always be challenges. Result of living in a fallen world. But I can promise you this. You will know that Christ is near to you as you began to draw near to him. Jacob's life was different as a result of chapter 32. Your life can be different today. 
if you will come and seek the help of God in your heart. Reconciliation is possible, but it takes you and I being willing to do the work that needs to be done. And I pray that you will do that today, that God will touch your life. And let's bow our heads and pray. Our worship team is going to come and close us. Again, I ask you this question. Are you, are you reconciled with God? Have you made your peace with God? Do you stand here this morning knowing that he is your father? And you are his child. If not, I invite you to come this morning. Maybe not in a literal sense, but I invite you to come to the arms of a father who wants to reconcile with you. Trust me when I tell you this, he's looking, he's looking for you. He is the father of the prodigal child who's looking for you a long ways off. If you're here this morning and you need, you need to have a relationship restored in your life, I challenge you to look within yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what you need to do. What is it, Lord, that I need to change? What are the tendencies and the sinful practices and patterns that I need to mend and fix. Don't come and say, Lord, you get a hold of so-and-so and shake them by the ears until they listen. Get on your knees and say, Lord, what do I need to do? Where do I need to go? If you will do that, God will begin that process in your life. God wants to do that for each and every one of you. Each and every one of us, we have to be willing to come to him and let him change us. Heavenly Father, we pray that, that you would do that. Lord, we pray that we would be Reconciled first and foremost to you, and first and foremost, then secondly to each other. God, we can live as ambassadors of reconciliation to a world that needs reconciliation to a world that's at enmity and odds with you. Help us to come to you this morning. Help us to come and leave behind our sin and our regret hear the voice of God calling out to us, crying out to us. Let us see your open arms, we pray. Speak to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead, guys. Sing as we finish this time.